Hi, I'm Mike Hudson, and I am the Museum Director at the Museum of the American Printing House for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. And today I'm going to be giving you a very brief history of refreshable Braille. Now, Braille, since it was introduced by Louis Braille in Paris, France in 1829, has opened up the world of reading and writing for people who are blind and visually impaired. But the system isn't perfect. In its ordinary form, paper Braille, it's bulky. And print documents need to be transcribed into the Braille code, which can be time consuming and expensive. Enter the portable refreshable Braille display on a device that can allow a user to store, read, and write documents. Many Braille, user use, many Braille users use them today in many forms, but how did that get started? The first experiments that we have on our files at the Museum of the American Printing House for the Blind is a device developed first by James Bryce at IBM around 1950, and then later worked on by Arnold Grunwald at the Argonne National Laboratory in Argonne, Illinois. This device stored information on perforated paper tapes and created the raised braille characters on a rotating plastic belt that moved under the reader's fingers at their chosen pace. By the early 1970s, other early Braille displays were electromechanical using solenoids, essentially powerful miniature magnets, to raise and lower pins to create Braille. Data was stored on cassette tapes. In Germany, Werner Bolt introduced his Braille X. Also in Germany, Klaus Peter Schoenherr was working on the problem. His company would later become HandyTech. And in Great Britain, John Clark was experimenting with his Braille Link device. But it was in France that the real breakthrough occurred. Oleg and Andy Tretiakov introduced the first commercially available paperless Braille machine in 1976 in Paris, France. Their digicassette stored data on cassette tapes and displayed it on a bar that raised and lowered pins to create and erase a line of Braille at a time. Tretiakov pioneered the piezoelectric display technology that dominates the market even today, using the principle that some materials change shape when they get zapped with a small electric charge. Tretiakov took his idea to the American company Telesensory, hoping to partner with them to get his device into the American market, but instead Telesensory introduced their own device in 1979, the VersaBraille, also a portable device that stored data on cassette tapes and featured a 20-cell refreshable Braille display. You could use the Versa Braille as a note taker, entering and editing data using its Braille keyboard, or as a reading machine, reading Braille documents on the display, or even as a computer terminal, attaching it to a full-size PC and reading Braille rather than looking at a computer screen. And for much of the last 40 years, refreshable Braille development has simply been a refinement of Tretiakov's ideas using transistor technology to miniaturize the devices, playing around with the number of, of Braille cells, you know, as few as 16 or 18 on a small device, and up to 40 on a true Braille terminal, and adding or subtracting applications on devices to turn them into true pocket computers. There are many refreshable Braille devices on the market from many manufacturers, but until recently, all continued to rely on variations of Tretiakov's piezoelectric cell, and those cells remain expensive to this day, can be as much as $250 per cell. And so refreshable Braille displays remain pretty expensive. In 2011, led by the Royal National Institute for the Blind in England, 
a number of national blindness groups banded together into the Transforming Braille Group, pooling their resources toward the goal of exploring new technologies to reduce the price of refreshable Braille displays. The goal was a display that would sell for about $500, making it affordable for people around the world. And the result was a partnership with Orbit Research, an American company, and the device they came up with was called the Orbit 20. The Orbit 20 relied on a completely new design using a thing called a micro machine to raise and lower its braille pins. And the device is available today on the market for about $600. So they got pretty close. In its initial form, designed to be as inexpensive as possible, the Orbit 20 is a low function note taker and reading machine. But if and when the display technology becomes available for other developers, it holds great promise to help to create a new line of much less expensive displays. And in the meantime, the low cost of the Orbit puts competitive pressure on other manufacturers to reduce the price of their own devices and to explore other technologies. One way where the market system encourages innovation.